you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we love to get our hands deep into Star Wars lore, into Star Wars comics, movies, TV, everything in between, books, which we will eventually talk about the Fallen Star, eventually, but today we are going to be talking about Mandalorian episodes 4 and 5. So if you have not watched those, save this episode for later, but if you have, get ready to dig in. I am the Lord of the Lore, Zach Christman, and I am uh, brought to our Jesus. Wow, I cannot talk today. <laughs> I have a um, special announcement. So I have a brand new co-host, and I am so excited because um, I feel like this is going to be a really great chapter of Sith Talk, and so I'm excited to announce... The Lady of Lore, Lindsay, will be joining me as my new co-host. Lindsay, how the fuck are you doing? I'm so good. I feel like this setup right here has been such a long time coming. I feel like you and I doing Sith Talk is just destiny. Yeah, it's it's for sure one of those things where, you know, it's... And to everybody know, like, Brandon is still going to be a big part of this show as well. He's just, you know, he's doing, like, four different shows... And, you know, me and Lindsay were kind of the uh, the shit talkers of the group. So we just decided uh, <laughs> maybe we just bring it under one banner and just keep it keep it here. All the all the shit talk and stuff. So it just it just makes sense. But Brandon will still be a huge part of the show as he is with everything Clashing Sabres. But how you been? You know, I was I was good. I was going to say, I feel like this show is somehow about to be the humor is even about to be a little bit more off-colored than we're used to, <laughs> yes. but it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll no, be and fun. I, no, I've been... Sorry, you go. <laughs> they were new to this. Uh-huh. I've been good, though. I know I was just, I was lucky enough where I was on the the last episode with both you and Bay. Um, so in the past few weeks, I mean, no, no real crazy updates, you know, still trying to sell my house, <laughs> trying to buy a new house. Um, and I feel like that for, for anyone who's been through that takes up about 90% of your waking hours, um, just with little projects and, and little things that you see here and there, but that's been pretty much my life lately. Yeah. It's like, uh, Hey, you need to hurry up and do everything on your, uh, you need to make your house look beautiful and perfect. And then you need to hurry up and make the decision on a huge investment that's going to control your life for years, but hurry up. Yeah, yeah. And the the problem is, too, it's kind of like rushing just to stop because you have things where you're like, I have to get this done. It has to be done right now. 
I have to do 18,000 errands. And then you just kind of pause for like a week while you're waiting for other people to respond to things. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where, you know, I keep a pretty clean house, especially the older I get, I get pretty OCD on like how I want things to be and, and keeping up on stuff. But if I were to sell my house today, it would still like, there would be a laundry list of things that I would want to do before I put it up. So I couldn't even imagine like, you know, it, it is an exhausting process, which is like the reason why, you know, I want to stay here for like ever if I can. Um, not, not really. I think eventually we'll, we'll do something different, but it's just exhausting. And the housing market is absolutely crazy. I mean, it's hard to get something that, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, almost three fourths or a fourth less a couple of years ago. It's insane. Yeah, no, so we'll see what happens. Well, yeah. Stay tuned. Well, with that being said, why don't we just get right into um, the Book of Boba Fett. Um, uh, Episodes four and five. um, Again, I think picking up from last episode with you guys, I ripped episode three pretty hard. And, you know, I was saying going in, I, I think that the show will end strong and it will it will um have a huge climactic ending but so far i'm not digging uh, digging you know episode three especially two and three really wasn't digging it so going into four you know i i had a for me i had a lot writing on to it um but i'm going to start with you how did you feel how do you feel about episode four and you know any topic points that really made you happy made you sad Episode four, what do you think? Yeah, episode four, it's, it's such a funny time for you to ask. Because had you asked me 24 hours ago, it would have been, I think, so fresh and prominent in my mind. Because I thought it really was a solid episode. So um, you're struggling to hold back episode five talk like me? So much. So <laughs> We much. have to get it a little bit of episode four. Like, just a little I bit. Know, then we I can know, get into everything. I know. No, it was it was a solid episode. It still didn't have me hooked to the point where I was like, oh my God, this is going to be, you know, the best TV show ever. I'm I'm happy because as you know, <clears throat> my biggest complaint, and this was still my complaint with episode four, it it feels like two very incomplete shows because the flashbacks are good. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with the story being told or the way they're telling it in the flashbacks. The present day stuff, really good. And and I think the present day stuff is really getting much better every single episode. And that's why I'm, I'm so conflicted because as much as I'm enjoying it, I hate that it's only 15 to 20 minutes, you know, and, the, and then all of a sudden we're shot back. Um, but the present day stuff I thought was really good and really compelling so i'm happy that it seems like the flashbacks are wrapped up enough where we can start to really invest in that story um and and part of the it's actually going to be tougher than i thought it was now that i'm trying to do it to talk about season four without talking about some of the ways or season four episode four without talking about some of the ways i think episode five is going to tie this together. Um, but I think that a big part of this story isn't even setting up so much Boba Fett and the crime syndicates and, and that. 
it seems like a lot of it is going to be setting up Tatooine in general. Uh, you know, we're going back back to Tatooine for the Kenobi show. We're going to be spending a lot more time there. Um, but it seems like there were a few connections this week in episode five that made it more relevant and made more sense as to why we're telling the story and why we're with these characters right now. Yeah, I think um, episode four kind of... I might have a wild idea that you might not disagree with, and and that's fine. Um, but episode four made me realize that this show, and I said it on the last couple of or the last episode that this is much more like a western style where they really like they make the build up until it just all like this is shot like a classic western, like the build up, and then it all comes crashing into a huge suspense that just never stops. That's westerns. I don't think the show fit in with it because in my opinion now, and I know that uh, I think Mark really liked episode two. I'm trying to remember everybody in the chats. I think a lot of people liked episode two. I thought episode two was great, but it just didn't really offer anything new to me. Really? I mean, there was a little more backstory with the Tuscans. I understood that episode four made me realize that you could have probably cut out three and 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 made like a different like cut the stuff different like episodes one and two just cut it a little bit different and have moved right into the progress the story right into four because I just realized like for me I didn't really episode four felt like a pilot to me I don't know why maybe it's I already know Ooh, things. yeah it just felt that's like a, the pilot I'll give you that much um, I will say I I still don't have the distaste for episode three that you did. Um, I would keep it, especially because I thought thematically three kind of bled really nicely into four because, and, and I think I had said this last week on the show too, is my issue with this has really been what the hell are we saying? You know, whereas Mando had, was so clearly about you know, community and finding that belonging and finding your creed and finding other people who stick with that creed. This show is kind of just like, what what's happening here? You know, like I understand the plot. The plot is taking over this this territory, but what's the theme? And where episode three, I think, finally got to the theme of it, which is leading through respect, which is something we really have not seen in Star Wars. I think with the exception of Princess Leia, Everyone else, it's always been, whether it's the Jedi, the Galactic Senate, the Galactic Empire, even in terms of First Order and and New Republic, everyone else led because it was kind of their turn. And they led out of order and even even just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just genuinely doing what's right. Whereas this is the first time we've seen on an individual basis, hey, I'm going to lead because people want me to, and I'm going to earn their respect, and I'm going to do what's right for people and kind of just hope it's also what's right for me. And I think episodes three and four did a really, really nice job of showing that, whereas one and two did not. Do you think you, and and I don't legitimately know, um, do do you think you know why he cares so much about helping people? Because he's been quite... I mean, Boba Fett is a bounty hunter. Everything we've known about him... I mean, he's... You can imply that maybe he's always wanted somewhere to belong. 
you can imply that. You can imply that he is, you know, an outsider in all respects, even in a world where there were millions of people that look like him. He was not one of them. You you can imply all that stuff that he's had a deep needing to belong and the Tuscans made him uh, feel like he was a part of a tribe. And psychologically, you know, I've done a lot of digging on the psychology of people just given our world climate and stuff like that. And we all crave a tribe or a team to be on. That's just in our a lot of our DNA. But what makes him what makes Tatooine his tribe and why does he wanna um, be this good, graceful, respected leader? Why is he holding back from the battle? This could go to classic Western tropes where the old outlaw tries to change his ways and uh doesn't want to do the things he did before only to find out that he can do the things he did before in a way that could be served as good. Maybe it's one of those tropes, but I just don't understand why Tatooine is his tribe and why he's fighting for it. Do you have a better answer for, can you give me an answer to that or? I wish I did because that's something I'm still kind of struggling with too, because you're, you're right. We had talked about this too, where, before he's coming from a place where everyone has his face, everyone has his image and likeness, but everyone else is also kind of out succeeding him. Right. And, and through no fault of his own, he was not genetically modified. He didn't have any kind of clone-esque superpowers or anything like that. Um, so it makes sense where you would be saying, Hey, he needs to find a place to belong. And if that were the show, that would make a lot of sense. But what I'm struggling with and what the flashbacks have not answered is that exact question of why is he taking it a step further and not saying I need a place to belong and saying I need a place to, to lead and I need people to lead and I'm going to take it a step further and really do it for what's right. It's altruistic. That's the word I was looking for. He has very altruistic purposes. It seems um, I would actually like to see him be a little bit edgier, not in terms of, of his fighting or anything, but a little bit edgier in terms of, Hey, I want to make a lot of money or, Hey, I want to have a lot of power. And my method of doing that is going to be altruism. Not, I am here to be a complete boy scout and I am here to be completely altruistic. Um, I, I think that's something I'm really struggling with that the flashbacks just have not answered yet. And maybe, just maybe, that's why I feel more of a connection to Fennec Shan than I do Boba Fett. Yeah, I think Finnick really shines in episode four. You know, it's funny. Uh, this is nothing to do with it. I'm so sorry. We said the show is going to get a little bit more funny, and I'm just... As you're talking about, uh, we're talking about the psychology of Boba Fett, I just can't help but think of Finnick Shan, Mulan herself, singing, uh, Who is that hunter I see sleeping still in a back to dream? When will my reflection show inside? I just couldn't help, but you were talking about it. I was just like, oh my God, he doesn't know he is. She needs to sing to him. But I think you, uh, you kind of just lost your, your king of metal. Uh, <laughs> dude, Milan's my favorite Disney movie, like by far. Like, I didn't by know far. that about you. Absolutely. Like oh, that's uh, fun. Good when pick. we would set up for our metal shows and practice harmonies, 
we would practice our harmonies to like just get good at octaves and stuff. We would uh, we would practice to uh, I want it that way, the Backstreet Boys, and then uh, be a man by uh, in from Milan. Like Classic. we could do the whole thing. Like th- three of us could do the whole be a man, be a man, like the whole thing in octave and and you harmony. You go. Yeah. No, we're all Zach, about it. Full of surprises. <laughs> but anyway, I think what I what really did episode four in for me, uh, and it, and it did gain a lot of traction with the story. It's I think what we're getting at with uh, Boba Fett is. We, I think personally, in episode four, we finally got a lot of plot, but I still don't understand his context, why he cares so much. Like I've, I've seen scenes, and maybe it's just uh, they're in love with shooting this like a standard western, and maybe the medium, uh, maybe it's just a little more implied by scenes. Uh, episode four was a quick, uh, was a turn in the right page not a home run though and but what was a home run from episode four is Fennec Shan and and seeing that relationship develop because that was a huge question for me going into this is like why does she care why is she so dedicated to being by his side that that was a question I really needed to know because one through three she's like this loyal dedicated person and she's not a sidekick but it's like why are you sticking around and now we finally understand why yeah and i i just wonder too i i want to know your thoughts maybe i'm just being a little bit negative but to me it wasn't enough i don't think that the the arc that we saw in the storyline we saw was truly enough where she has or he has her complete loyalties right now. I think that she would be, based on the character we know, she would be very open to that idea of, hey, if I stick with this person, I can get a lot more. You know, I might take a a quick hit. I might not have the lifestyle I was used to. But eventually, yeah, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to have more freedom. And I'm going to maybe even be in that position of power. I could see those being really compelling motivations for her. And then whereas over time he earns her complete and utter loyalty i just think that the the arc that we saw was too quick for her to go from yeah i'm just gonna pay my debt and then be out to i paid my debt here's my lifetime of service i would agree with that um and i also really didn't need i really didn't it fit but i really just I didn't need to see how he got Slave One back. That was just like, okay, I don't need all these details. It just like it kind of felt like um, one of those uh, interlude chapters of Aftermath. It's just like, oh, cool, we finally figured that. Yeah, out. it's interesting, but I don't. You're right. I don't need it. I think what made Episode Four really good for me was the was the relationship between or with Finnick and and kind of seeing that change. And then the last uh, 10, 10 to 15 minutes at the table, the crime syndicate, where he, he invites all the crime bosses over for a little conversation about what we're going to do with the pikes. And the suspense of that was, was really well, even though, even, I mean, like, it was a very good shot, and I, I think it, it served, it, it was, I enjoyed it a lot. 
but even then it's like we didn't learn anything new like they didn't they just said oh bro uh that to me should have been the episode like that shouldn't have been the the last few minutes that should have been not just the episode that that scene and things like that should have been the entire series to date in my opinion no, I completely agree with that. I, I once once you started getting to the crime portions of this of this series, that's where I'm really locking in very quickly, locking in, even when it's from flashbacks that I'm kind of questioning why we're doing it, why I need this, why this context serves this story. Like, I get you know it serves the relationship between Fennec and him, but. The the flashbacks, I'm like as I'm watching them, I'm thinking, why do I need this? And then they do serve a purpose, but that's what I'm thinking. And then when we get into the crime stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, I am here. Like I'm all here for this dinner table meeting, and that that rancor popping up in the middle was was an amazing flex. And you know that that kind of leads into the conversation of episode five, which. They hint, you know, he says, you know, we're going to, she says, how many, how, how much credits do you have? And he's like, credits is not a problem. We need muscle. And she's like, well, you can buy muscle. And it's heavily implied like the Mandalorian is coming. And that was my biggest fear. And before I watched this episode, I seen like everybody not giving spoilers, giving it a thumbs up. I knew Mando was going to be in it like. It was going to be a thing. Because well, it ended on his theme song, though, too. Right, for sure. Like, I knew he was going to be in there. And that's what really made me, like, fear the show. And I'm still... I think this show is still going to be a success. But I'm pretty sure my thoughts are going to be correct. That this, the way the writers wrote this show, Boba could not stand on his own two feet with his show. He needed... Fennec and the Mandalorian to make his show great, which should have not been an issue because I feel like there was plenty of directions you could have went with Boba Fett, but ultimately the show is going to end on a really high note, but in my opinion, it will not be be because it was a Boba Fett standalone show. It, it seems more and more like this is a jumping off point for other things, whether it is something along the lines of bringing the Pikes back you know, bringing the whole, the whole stick kids back or now after today, more likely where this is a way where we're going to start to understand more about the Mando, more about the dark saber. And I really did see some connections to what I'm assuming is going to be Kenobi too. Yeah. I, wow. Okay. Um, Okay. Um so where do you where <laughs> Okay, so I I I'm not going to lie. I so episode 5, I'm just going to preface with cuz there's so much to go into that, you know, we're going to be unpacking this the rest of the thing and have to even cut or, cut cut each other off on this one cuz there's just so much to to unpack on this one. I will say that I absolutely loved this episode of The Mandalorian. I thought it was so good. Like and you think I'm I'm not slipping. This was a Mandalorian episode. This had nothing to do with Boba Fett. This was this was Mandalorian sneak peek, and I'm fucking here for it. But at beginning beginning of the episode, I was like kind of annoyed. I had to rewatch it now seeing the full episode because the first five minutes I was super annoyed that 
I, I was like, man, we really need, we needed Mandalorian to make this show like great. And so, like, I had to kind of, like, work around my mood because, I, I mean, it was, there was a lot of stuff happening and it was amazing. I was enjoying it, but it just, it really kind of hit that home for me that, like, wow, The Mandalorian is just on another level of a show. And I feel like we've been trying to watch something that, and trying to find enjoyment in Book of Boba Fett, at least for me. I'm not speaking for everybody. And clearly, I'm probably in the minority of the Clashing Sabres crew on how I feel about it, but... It's just I I no, had to I don't completely think you are. It. What what concerns me more though is I get the impression after watching this episode and seeing the point of this episode and like let's let's just say it. This episode was I would say 30 to 40% accomplishing what in my opinion and and I like this episode a lot, but in my opinion, the Trials of the Dark Saber did so much better in rebels um and that is explaining to everyone what the dark saber is why it's important and how you win it um oh let's let's talk about that too because i i do think that this was also a jumping off point for the ahsoka show um so we'll get into that in a second um but i'm gonna let you I just take that... the lead on this one because you sound like <laughs> you sound like you know where you're going with this stuff so i'll just i'm gonna so, take the back seat I and do, let you do it I'm going in like eight different directions, so I'm going to need you to remind me if I didn't hit all of them. I'm fucking um, here for it. But, but for, for this one, what concerns me is they seem to do this because they realize that I would say 85 to 90% of people watching Mandalorian do not understand what the Darksaber truly is. And they need to drive that point home. So this way, season three of Mandalorian is more compelling. I think that because they did it here and because they tied this in, they thought that the mainstream media of Star Wars would be really following and really invested in this show the same way they were Mando. And they're going to get most of the viewers of Mando to this point where they are five episodes in to Boba Fett and invested. I don't see that happening. Other than Star Wars fans and people invested like us, I don't really know people who are watching watching the show. I don't. Do you? Actually, um, I I do. I have been hearing a lot from coworkers uh, keeping up with Book of okay. Boba Fett, and I've had it's like one of those awkward things where they're like, coworkers have been really excited to talk about it, and so I'm just lying to them with my opinion, like real positive shit, so that they keep watching it because they're oh, enjoying I do it that too. It's <laughs> like they can they can listen to my show if they want, like. If you want to know my real opinion, this is why, you know, people, Star Wars fans, they they want to hear it. They want to have a conversation with us, and I'm here for that. But as far as, like, hype goes, and somebody's like, oh, man, I watched Book of Boba Fett, you know, my negative comment might stop and make them think and then not watch any other Star Wars stuff. And I know I'm going to love Obi-Wan. I know I'm going to love Ahsoka. I know I'm going to love episode or season three of the Mandalorian and I want to have those conversations with them. So like, yeah, just cause yeah. I'm not, no, I, it. I get that. I get that. But honestly, it makes me happier to hear that you at least have coworkers who kind of know the show and want to talk about it. Cause I just don't. And even though I'm not super gung ho on this, I still even ask coworkers, you know, like, Hey, who's watching who watched this week? No one kind of outside my star Wars circles is watching or invested in this. And that's why I'm concerned that the people 
who need to see this episode are going to come into season three of Mandalorian and have no idea what the fuck is going on, you know? So that was, that was a red flag for me. Whereas this episode was a big signal for me that it's not doing what they wanted. You know, it's, it's not getting people drawn in the way they wanted. So I have some, some concerns and reservations for that. But uh, like I said, I did think this might be another kind of stepping off point for Ahsoka because let's talk about it. They made it very, very, very clear that they did not think, and the reason there was a purge, the Great Purge, the Mandalorians did not think that Bo-Katan was the rightful leader. So even though we see her arc over Clone Wars and we see her arc over Rebels, and we we agree, we I think everyone agreed with Sabine's decision in Rebels to give Bo-Katan the Darksaber and let her lead the Mandalorians. I think we all agreed with that. It seems like the people involved in Mando did not think that. And there's a lot of animosity towards her, and there is a lot of struggling to find who the rightful leader is. And my takeaway from this was they did not think anyone other than Sabine Wren could really rule. It seems to me like they think Sabine Wren was the last person to truly win this in, co- in combat. She should have this. This is her title. I think anyone else is going to have to literally take it from her in combat. Even if she throws it, fine. But everyone's saying Sabine's going to be in Ahsoka. Sabine's going to be in Ahsoka. I agree with that. I just think that after this, it's going to be in a very different way. I don't think it's going to be a buddy cop show of let's go find us. I think it's going to be... Mandalorian teams back up with Ahsoka somehow, you know, I'm, I'm sure she is somehow still involved with Grogu. Um, but I could see him jumping back in with Ahsoka to get to Sabine to say, you're still our rightful ruler. You either need to come back and, and lead or someone's going to have to take this title from you, whether it's him or someone else. I don't know, but I th- I just think that they made it way too clear that Sabine is still the rightful ruler of Mandalore, and that's how we're going to get her back in Ahsoka. That's what you... Uh, uh, get her back in Ahsoka as the ruler, or get her back... Just as a, as a character. As a character. Wow. Okay. I That didn't cross my mind. Um, so are you thinking... Are you thinking Bo-Katan's a whole shot at Mandalore is done. I think it's something she would still want. I I personally still think it's something she deserves, but it's not going, if so, it's going to have to be Din Djarin gets Bo-Katan back, says, let's go. You have to fight Sabine Wren for this. Sabine Wren can throw that, that duel for all we know or care, but it, it was pretty obvious in today's episode too, that, Winning it in combat did not mean dueling till death was the other thing. So she can win it one way or another, but they put too much emphasis on this that Sabine gave it away and she did not not have the authority, but it didn't matter if she did. That's not how Mandalorians work. Sabine could not just give it away and say, you rule. Sabine was still the, the rightful or divine ruler. Yeah, but it's it's kind of yeah, it, it's very intriguing what's going on with the Mandalorian because I don't think 
Din will ever lead. I don't think that's his role. I don't think he wants. To I don't be think a he leader. wants that. And, yeah. and if he does, if he does become the leader, it will be a uh, you know it it'll be an arc where he really has to accept his role. But at the same time, like I don't I don't know. It's so confusing, and it, it's it's like really kind of becoming. You know the Game of Thrones thing. Like, how is that going to work? Because you're you're implying Sabine, and I'm like, okay, well, Sabine's going to be in Ahsoka. Is Sabine going to be in the Mandalorian? And if so, Ahsoka's not shooting right now. The Mandalorian is shooting right now, I believe. Correct? Am I wrong on that? I, as no, you're right. Mandalorian Kenobi's done shooting, right? Kenobi's done shooting. Andor's done shooting. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian, I believe, is shooting right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, because now. they were, yes, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and then, then Ahsoka's still in pre. Pre-production, but they're adding a shitload of cast, so they're getting ready to shoot. So that mention of Sabine, I mean, Sabine could very well be in Mandalorian, uh, you know, season three. That would make sense, because really it's, it's about what he's going to do with the Darksaber. And he still might be, you know, I don't know, it's tough. He still might be the leader of Mandalore. They did spend time on him honing, trying to learn his skills with the Darksaber, even though, you know, he's still quite... Well, quite... then, I, I think, too, he's still going to go to Mandalore. And I think now as he's... I mean, think about his newest quest now. It seems like it is going to be after whatever happens next week. I think they're going to wrap up him and Boba Fett. I'm sure Boba will keep ties with him because it does seem like Boba is trying to, you know, have his own network of very loyal bounty hunters, almost like a co-op of bounty hunters. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Din Djarin stays connected, but not necessarily prominent, but he's on his own side quest now, right? He's trying to atone. He's trying to essentially find these, what were they, caves on Mandalore that he doesn't think exist. So I would imagine he's about to go back to Mandalore. He's going to learn so much than any anyone else in the cohort does. He's going to be exploring and, and really understanding Mandalore, the planet, and God only knows them when he's going to learn about Mandalore, the people. You know? so So maybe in this new quest, he will realize he has this want and this need to lead them and he would be deserving of it but he would also have to learn you know the real not i mean i guess not the real mandalorians but he the the best thing about his arc with this episode is he kind of had to walk away from death watch and hopefully that broadens his horizons on what a Mandalorian is. I mean, there's multiple different clans and stuff like that, but like, I don't think anybody thinks he's going to stick with death watch, uh, long in the long run. Like he, like he, no, like say no, he no. becomes leader. He's not going to be like the, the happy, happily ever after of Mandalore is not going to be with death watch. They're, they're radical. They have old rules, which are fascinating. And I'm still waiting to see where, they're going to go with that, but I think he's definitely got to get in with Sabine Wren. He's got to meet, he's got to learn more about the culture. He learned a lot in season two from Bo-Katan alone. And while I think, while I think that Bo-Katan, I think Bo-Katan is going to have a heavy part in season three. I'm here for it. I absolutely uh, love Katie Sackhoff. Um, But I think that relationship is going to be a little bit jilted uh, and complicated because 
you know, she, he has what she wants and he is an outsider that hasn't been trying to fight this fight for years, but he has what they need to unite Mandalore. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe this is why, because as much as I love this episode, my struggle with it is why is this episode five of the book of Boba Fett? And I think that if next week, you know, him and Boba connect, this could be the perfect way to tie it together while still putting a nice little bow on season one of Boba Fett. Because if we're sitting here and we're saying, hey, look, the theme of Boba Fett is, if you agree with me, I, I do think this is the theme, it's being deserving of the title of ruler and how you use it. And if Din can then reconnect with Boba Fett, see, okay, this is what he's doing here. This is why he's doing it. Maybe it would make sense if he internalizes that lesson and says, I can do this for my people, you know, or, or as he's going through and learning more about Mandalore, learning more about Bo-Katan and the planet and the Great Purge. That's when he says, hey, I learned this lesson from, from my buddy Boba Fett, and now I can apply it here. But first, I have to earn it. First, I have to make sure the people I'm leading respect me. And I'm doing what's right by then. You know what? I think that... Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just... You know, sometimes I'm utterly shocked at how dense I can be. Because that was so beautifully said. <laughs> that was so beautifully said. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, it's, I think it's, it's a very good point. Because episodes like this, I think, I think we just get so excited because... Hey, look! It's it's good characters. It's pretty good action. There's there's a funny cop chasing scene. You know, like this was this was a really good episode of TV. But how do you make it a good episode of the book of Boba Fett? And I think that's kind of the perfect way to do it, where it connects the two shows, but still makes this an episode of this one show and not just a, a weird. Um, like, I, I watch SVU, you know, I watch Law & Order SVU, so and they have these weird, like, tie-in episodes with Chicago PD or Chicago Fire or whatever it is. Yep. I'm like, I don't watch that show. Why do, I, why do I care? But they're still able to make each one its own thing, and very clear, this is still an episode of SVU. And we need to be able to look back on this one day and say this was still an episode of The Book of Boba Fett. And I think that's how you do it, but it's still how you move season three forward. Yeah, the only thing I'll disagree with you is that this still should not have been in The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, this is, I like every, everything you said, master class. It, this is uh, this is literally the episode of a Mandalore of the Mandalorian, but I it way but how yeah. you're saying it it does serve its purpose, and I I think it's great. Um, Din has a tendency to run away from things only to later on accept them. He's the type of person that's like, but I don't want to go do this as he's going to do it. You know, like I don't want to be a leader no. or I don't want to be uh, taking care of this kid, and then you know. Gr- goes and takes care of the kid like he's kind of the type of dude that not in the just like in the context of the story he says that he doesn't want to do it as he's doing it like i don't want to do crossfit as i'm doing you know uh 150 burpees or whatever it's one of those things and i think how you (laughs) good comparison (laughs) yeah but i think it has more even then with based on your comparison it's it ties them two together but it still ultimately serves more 
for the Mandalorian to understand Boba as a leader and to see Boba as a leader. And, you know, not only does he have the Darksaber, but hopefully he will learn some more knowledge on what it takes to be a leader, uh, how to be a respected leader, um, what you need to do for your people when you are a leader. I, I, I hope he learns that for or from Boba Fett, but not only will he have that, but he will have the Darksaber and a crime lord at his side. That's a little bit more of a... That's a little bit more of a, you know, like when you go into Game of Thrones and you have all these titles like Khaleesi, Slave Freer, she's the Dragon Queen. Like, he's starting to get, you know, Din Djarin, owner of the Darksaber, uh friend of Boba Fett, a massive crime lord. Like, he's starting to get a little bit of a resume. Get some credibility. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I know... If he likes that rest. And I know, uh, you know, what's her name? Man, I've already forgot. Oh my god. Why am I... Cara Dune's gonna be, like, completely blacklisted off the map, and we're never gonna talk about her oh, again, yeah. but technically, you know, he does have uh, some Republic support with her, technically. He's got an in with that. And he's got and he's got Katie or Bo Katan. I mean But I don't think Bo Katan. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. He's getting a little network. But yeah. no, I I though did see too. I don't know if you picked up on any of this like real subtle stuff. Um first of all, when when oh God, what's her name? Amy Sedaris's character, but the mechanic and shopkeeper. Yes. Um, when she first pulled that, that tarp off, I didn't realize until she said it, that it was an N1 fighter. Cause honestly it was so disheveled looking. I thought it was a big pod racer. The way so the, the twin engines were okay. Okay, cool. I'm happy if it wasn't just me. Um, but when she, when she said N1 starfighter and then there was, you'll have to forgive me cause I only watched this episode once, you know, it, it just came out a few hours ago. So I guess that's not too bad. Um, but but there was some piece of equipment that he needed and the Jawas had it. And he really quickly is like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, that that's pre empire. Even then it was hard to get, how did they get this? And she makes this kind of off the cuff comment just about, Oh, it's, it's tattooing. You never know who shows up here, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that there was an N1 starfighter and this other piece of equipment it makes me think that these are things we're going to see Kenobi bring to Tatooine. Yeah, um, like and I think I, for the Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. I would not be surprised at all. If, if that's a real subtle, not necessarily like a big giveaway or a spoiler by any means, but it's just a, a nice little nod to what's coming. Well, and I mean, Star Wars has been doubling down a lot. That's actually good. I good. I won't elaborate on this, but you have a very good point because Star Wars has been kind of slowly introducing a little bit more of Padme's handmaidens. And mm-hmm. like in the Vader comic, uh, I forget which one it is. Oh, uh, yeah. She is yeah, like a heavy. Yeah, she is a yeah. heavy um, part of that comic. And so it would make a lot of. And she's like trying and to. And they try- go back there. Yes. They go back there. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you're totally right. You're so right. Yeah. Hey, I keep up on the comics for the rest of the Clashing Sabers crew. I, I put on the sacrifice. I read the good ones and then the ones that are a complete waste of time. 
And you pay attention to the ones because I'll read the ones that are a complete waste of time, but then I'm just like, oh, I'll just skip through. Yeah, I mean, they're still a complete waste of time, but I, I retained <laughs> it. I retained it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good point, too. I, I mean, why wouldn't Kenobi... He's going to deal with something from him. That, that's, that might be... Uh, is that an Easter egg before the Easter egg? Yeah, what would you call call that? I would because I mean I was gonna say an Easter chicken, but I guess the the egg has to be before the chicken anyway. So we we've talked a lot about Boba Fett and what is his role in this. Um, we talked about Din Djarin and learning the rules of the dark saber, and and possibly learning how to become a a leader. The the most surprising thing about this episode was not only is he plan on doing all of this which thus then doubles down that this was a um a pilot into season three of the mandalorian because it literally gave pretty much everything you can expect from season three in this thing so we got all that and i think i think everything that you said was way better than how i put it i think that's great but one of the surprising things was how quickly he wants to go back to see grogu Grogu. You know, I was shocked by that too. It seems super me. I I figured that we would get maybe like at least halfway through season three before this is something he's open up to again. But this can just seem like you drop your kid off at camp and by lunchtime you're calling to see how they are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know how much of the time, how much time has passed. I, I would imagine season three of Mandalorian, by the time that comes out, it will have been two two years? Because I don't think it's coming out. It's not coming out until later this year, hopefully. Yeah, we've got a ways for it. So it'll be about two years, right? Am I correct on that? That seems like way longer. Two long, years, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, wait, no, okay, because I'm trying to think. Dude, it might be three years. I think season two was 2019. And I only no, said season, that because I'm pretty no, sure season two I was, was still... 2020. It yeah, was like the only I'm thing to that happened. I was in an office for it. But yeah, no, it'll be about two years. And okay. I think that they'll, oh. they'll have, um, I think that they'll have a, a pretty sizable time gap and he's clearly been busy in the time that we've seen him now. It's not like, you know, he hasn't been training for a while. Like, Lord knows how long that that montage of him with the Death Watch actually lasted. You know, that could have been weeks, months. That could have been anything. And also his time Solid, gap between, yeah. you know, when he leaves Boba Fett, that could have been anything. At that point, it will be about, you know, it would have been about two years. Um, But yeah, it definitely felt like he is regretting his decision and he wants him to be both. How are they going to do that? That's that's like kind of the question with the Luke Skywalker thing. Like, are they that are they that confident that they can pull off a Luke Skywalker scene? I I don't know. I guess I'm just intrigued on how that's going to work. Being that what they did with Luke Skywalker was such magic that I don't. I almost like don't even want them to ever try and go there again because that's my favorite. That might be my favorite scene of Star Wars where Luke shows up. And I don't even want anybody Dude, to touch that magic. Good, good question. What I would predict happen 
both in terms of storytelling and preserving that magic moment. Um, I would expect that Grogu at this point, probably nothing crazy special in terms of the new Jedi Order, right? Like, we can't just have Grogu and then think, okay, I'm good. Now I'm going to just kind of sit back and start training. I'd imagine he's still kind of going out and recruiting, right? And he he's going to have to have different temples, different training facilities, whatever it is. But I don't think at this point it's going to be like, here's Luke, Grogu, and 10 other kids. I think it's going to be more of either an already established, um, what's the word I'm looking for again? More of an already established group and really well built out, or Luke is still going to be recruiting where Luke doesn't necessarily, when, when Din goes back and, and he reconnects with Grogu, maybe it's a different, again, to use a camp analogy, kind of like a different camp counselor and the camp director is just not there right now, you know? Possibly. Or maybe Grogu is Luke's first student ever. Who knows? I don't. Uh, that doesn't sit right with you. I don't think so. Just because in no in the aftermath interludes, we get at least one off the top of my head where Luke is already going out and ruining multiple people. Um, yeah, that's and true. I, I get the impression this kind of takes a little bit after, but that's why even if he is the first student, he's still going to have to go then and recruit more. So whether he's out recruiting or out with like a different group or on a different mission. But I don't think we have to believe at this point in time that it is just Luke with Grogu as his one apprentice and they are always together and always attached. To what if it's uh what if it's Ahsoka? Ayo, hey, no, I'm just kidding. Um but but uh, once again, I think all of your ideas are are bouncing off a lot sharper than mine are. Um because I, I think that'd be a great way to get around it because I really don't want to see Luke Skywalker again in the show. I mean, I really don't. Yeah, not, no, not because it wasn't done. That's a ballad. It's just like, dude, dude you hit the was, home run. It's because it was done so well. Yeah. Yeah, you, you hit the home run. I don't, I don't want to see that Ooh. again. And I, I really like your idea because I think it would give me, you know, I could, I could really spend some time looking at a set of a, a new Jedi Order, um, and him going to pick up Grogu from daycare at the new Jedi Order. Oh man, I could really look at all those stills. And just look at every single detail of every single thing. Oh, yeah. Especially, I think that would be a perfect way to do it, too. Because I don't think Din would necessarily, like, stumble upon that and be so enthralled and want to learn every single thing he can about this new order and about <laughs> the, the training facilities and what they're going through. I think he would just be more of like a, hey, I'm here, let's go. Whereas the story itself doesn't need to linger there, but the fans can, right? Like we can have our moments of pausing the screen and looking at the set design or <laughs> listening to Absolutely. interviews with the actors and what John Favreau had in mind and why he picks certain things. Like that would be really cool for fans, but we don't necessarily need, you know, a 40 minute Mandalorian season three episode of him going through and, and learning all about and see, camp. this the is the Jedi, Jedi bathroom. You know? This is where the young exactly. kids take big force <laughs> exactly. shits. And they, what they do is they poop, and then they have to use the force to flush the toilet themselves, or they can't leave. 
<laughs> this I'm is the dry. The this is where they pump the the green milk from the tit of the cow. That is the exact montage that did would help us avoid. <laughs> it's like a a weird episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> Uh, but oh, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's funny because now it's, it's kind of weird because now I can't help myself. but just want to keep thinking what's, what's going to happen in Mandalorian. It's so bad. I feel so bad. Like not like, and I'm so excited. I'm, I'm very excited for episode six of Book of Boba Fett. Like I haven't been more excited about the show, um, than even before it premiered. Like I'm way more excited to see this, but now it's just you introduce the Mandalorian and it's like the warm blanket. Like halfway through this episode, I just couldn't help. But even though it's not like Luke Skywalker shows up in this episode, it just felt like the warm blanket that I needed in life that I needed in star Wars. I feel like we've been kind of looking for something that feels familiar, but not familiar in like nostalgia way. Yeah, like, no, and, and it, it just felt like just, coming home, you know. Yeah, it it just felt really good to have this episode. Um, my question to you, and this probably be our fi- my final question. Mm-hmm. What do you think is in that little uh, that little um, wrapper, and how beautiful was that cinematography to have her have wrapped oh, it dude. so that it looked like so, him in the actual so wrapping? Oh God. So good. I just Bryce Dallas Howard like, oh, hit it home on that it. one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, actually, I'm really happy you, you brought her into this because she is something else. Just, she she really and truly She's underrated. has absolutely floored me. She really, she is. She is. And I, and I hope she stays behind that camera. Um, I really like her as an actress. Uh, but she has a gift, man. She really has a gift. Um but in terms of what I think is in there, I do think it is going to be that Mudhorn sigil. Yeah, I, I think so too. But yeah. I also like that they're not showing us it. But I also want to know what he did with all the other Beskar, because part of me, you know... Yeah, there was a lot. There was a, there was a lot more than that, that one little package. Yeah, I, I think they jacked it from him. They said, nah, here's tribute. You got to pay the piper. We death watch. We just all yeah. around suck. <laughs> It's more of a uh, commune than anything else now. You know, a little, a little part of me... for someone else's. Yeah, a little part of me thought he was going to, like, give him, like, the shell of a lightsaber hilt or something. That was a little too uh, Star Wars Legends fan of me. The, the, just, like, uh, where everybody gets a lightsaber though. hilt. I was just like, man, a Beskar yeah. lightsaber hilt would be pretty sick because... That would be really nice. You can't cut it in half, Ooh. Dad. It's super convenient. I mean, it seemed a little bit too small for that, though. No, absolutely. But part of me wanted yeah, that to happen. But that would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah, no, overall, I'm gonna go with some kind of mudhorn sigil. Yeah, I I think you're probably right. Um, man, I. Yeah, I I I just can't believe how Bryce Dallas Howard is really growing as a director. Um, you know, and there's a lot of actors that do a really good job falling into direction. I mean, Ben Affleck. Uh, you know, he became an award-winning director when he moved and made the switch and uh, a lot of his movies are critically acclaimed and a lot i think some of the coolest episodes from uh season two was from the guy who made ant-man and the and bryce dallas howard i i just think i think she's clearly growing and she definitely knows how to tell 
these stories that have action with purpose and heart in every single form of it. I think she just gets storytelling so differently because like even this episode alone, I get that it's Mandalorian, but you use the director from the Mandalorian to direct this episode and it just felt like everything clicked. Nothing felt clanky or uh, like it was adjusting. This all felt super smooth. I mean, it just felt like really, yeah, yeah it, that's why it's not even, to. it's not even a question to me. This was an episode of Mandalorian, but. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to her testament too, I think I realized that she was not just, you know, a little flash in the pan or anything. Um, really during that, um oh god what was it called like the be- behind the helmet or behind the mask the gallery you know the, yeah, the, the gallery, gallery thing yep. yeah the the interviews that she gave were so insightful and i just remember thinking like this was not just a, a you know a solid episode that she had the privilege of directing it made me realize it was a solid e- episode because she was directing it yeah, exactly, because she was a little a uh, little bit on my question list when we started The Mandalorian. Not because you know, you just you never know when actors jump into directing, even though you know the legacy of her father is like huge and it's a no-brainer. Well, it's just you didn't know. The, uh, did she direct the episode of Black Mirror that she was in or was she just in it? I don't do remember. You know off the top of I, your head? No, but I do remember absolutely loving that episode. It's like yeah. one of them that's And that's what I'm out. I'm wondering because I feel, I think she might have because I vaguely remember when she was like announced as a director I was kind of just like eh, that's weird but all right well I remember not being completely completely alarmed where I was like why are they giving this to a new bay right yeah that's I mean it sounds pretty pretty accurate but no it's she's doing a phenomenal job I hope she I hope she does a lot more in Star Wars and you know if anybody should be getting a movie. You know, maybe we should talk about it running running in into her to to do the movies. Yeah. I mean, we we are giving you know. Thing. I mean, we are giving women and uh, a lot more shots of directing in the Star Wars TV alone. I mean, I'm so excited for Mandalorian. I mean, I, honestly, arguably some of the best uh, episodes of Mandalorian were all done by women who I've never who I've never heard of as directors. Yeah, and now and now look at it. You know, they were giving Deborah Jow the entire series for Kenobi and. And no one's worried. Well, like, it, yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where, like, right now it's the cool thing to say that, but like, it's just honestly true. Like, it's just bluntly to put it bluntly, it's true. The women who are directing yeah. Star Wars are doing a way better job, or not a way better job. They're doing an amazing job, and I'm, you know, it's not consistently. like consistently. Yeah, I'm consistently I've, better. Yeah. Right, and I've never looked at something and been like, you know, man, I really wish the director wasn't a woman, but now I'm definitely like. Man, I really hope Bryce Dallas Howard gets uh, maybe some more shots at doing some movies because she's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm finding myself uh, a lot more, uh, you know, I only knew about growing up, I only knew a lot of men directors. I didn't know about a lot of women directors. And it seems like women well, there are weren't really, really a lot to know. Yeah, exactly. And they're really stepping up. Um, oh. They're really stepping up, raising uh, a little bit more awareness to me about it because like holy crap like it's just a knock out of the park and you know i i'm who is it you know it's like chloe zal bryce dallas howard who's running mandalorian uh it's been forever since deborah chow deborah chow it's like all these 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like all these names that I'm like really actively watching um, more than even, you know, like Taika Waititi right now. Like I'm excited for Taika Waititi's, but I've just seen more of their work in Star Wars. Um, and so I can't help but really wait. And um, Deborah Chow, even just getting that little snippet of Obi-Wan was absolutely phenomenal. Like just hearing her talk about it and how they, you know, we know the background that they stopped production to, to write the story. It, it is very clear that she wants mm-hmm. to take her time and tell the right story. Yeah. And I'd rather that than hurry up and get here. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay, I think that's the show. What do you think? <laughs> I think so. I'm really happy. Actually, we did not talk about, um, was it rising star today? Just cause I feel like, uh, I, I don't think, either or fallen star fallen star um i don't think either of us expected the past two episodes to really warrant this much much discussion but i should have known being on the line with you something good was going to come up well you know you uh especially this episode you know we i think that's one of the the greater things about me and you uh working together is a lot of times we can really play off each other's ideas and if and I think there's some insight that you really bring that maybe I haven't thought of. And then there's some random thing that maybe I bring that you didn't think of. And I, I think it's, I think this is going to be absolutely fucking phenomenal. And it's super great for I'm you. I'm excited. I'm so, excited. All right, guys, that is the show of Sith talk. You can find Sith talk under the clashing sabers podcast feed. If you want to converse about this episode, check out our clashing sabers, Facebook group. If you would like to talk directly to the Sith talk people, we have a Sith talk Instagram that you can comment or message us. We have a clashing sabers, uh, Instagram that you can also comment and, uh, talk with us there too. You can follow me at Sith talker 25, talking all things, uh, star Wars, comic books, working out. And of course, barbecue, Lindsay, where can they find you? So honestly, the best place to find me is over in the Clashing Sabers Facebook group. Um, I am there pretty active, so feel free to tag me and we can start a nice little discussion and get some get some thoughts involved and some different people involved. Sounds good. And with that being said, Lindsay, may the force be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs> Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way, I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business, go back to your drinks.